This morning, instead of going to the stable and manger in Bethlehem, where it all took place on Christmas Day, I want us to look at this event from a heavenly vantage point. In so doing, it might help us to see the distance Jesus traveled to get to us. To get us gazing at the stars, let me take us back about 3,000 years to a Palestinian hillside on a warm summer evening. A teenage shepherd boy has bedded down his flock for the night. Weary from the day's activities, he stretches out on a grassy slope and stares up into that navy blue sky on this crystal clear night with all of its twinkling lights. As he peered into the heavens, we get to hear the thoughts that pass through his mind as he was dwarfed by this great expanse that he was looking into. We read in Psalm 8, When I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? Now, I don't think David had any idea how insignificant he actually was. In these days of Hubble telescopes and Jupiter probes, we are finding out that the earth is like a one speck of sand on a vast beach. David didn't know that if he held a dime up to his, and his fingers up in front of him, that he would be blocking out millions of stars. He didn't know that there was a star in our Milky Way galaxy, Antares, that is so large that if you placed it where the sun is, 93 million miles away, the earth would actually be engulfed in that star. No wonder David felt so puny when he addressed God, what is man that thou art mindful of him? Yet the message of Christmas is that this great God of the universe who called all of this into being at his command is concerned about us. In the same breath that David contemplates his insignificance, he affirms his significance to God. Referring to us, he continues to write, Yet you made him, human beings, a little less than angels and crowned him with glory and honor. And the way that God has honored us, ultimately, is that he became one of us. This morning, we're going to take a look at what God has done from an angel's point of view, taken from a story written by J.B. Phillips, The Visited Planet. And to help me tell that story this morning, I'm going to invite our little angelic players uh, to come forward and uh, we'll share in this story by J.B. Phillips, the angel's point of view. Once upon a time, a very young angel was being shown around the splendors and glories of the universe by a senior and experienced angel. To tell the truth, the little angel was beginning to be tired and a little bored. She had been shown whirling galaxies and blazing suns, infinite distances and deathly cold interstellar space, and to her mind, there seemed to be an awfully lot of it. Finally, she was shown the galaxy of which our planetary system is but a small part. As the two of them drew near to the star we call our sun and to its circling planets, the senior angel pointed to a small and rather insignificant sphere turning very slowly on its axis. It looked as dull as a dirty tennis ball to the little angel, whose mind was filled with the size of, and glory of what she had seen. I want you to watch that one particularly. Well, 
It looks rather small and rather dirty to me. What's special about that one? That is the visited planet. Visited? You don't mean visited by... Indeed, I do. That ball, which I have no doubt looks to you small and insignificant and not perhaps over clean, has been visited by our young Prince of Glory. At these words, she bowed her head reverently. But how? Do you mean that our great and glorious prince, with all those wonders and splendors of his creation, and millions more than I'm sure I haven't seen yet, went down to that fifth-rate ball? Why should he do a thing like that? It isn't for us to question his whys, except that I must point out to you that he is not impressed by size or numbers, as you seem to be, but that he really went, I know, and all of us in heaven who know anything know that. As to why he became one of them, how else do you suppose he could visit them? The little angel's face wrinkled in disgust. Do you mean to tell me that he stooped so low as to become one of those creeping, crawling creatures of that floating ball? I do, and I don't think he would like you to call them creeping, crawling creatures in that tone of voice. For strange as it may seem to us, he loves them. He went down to visit them, to lift them up, to become like him. The little angel looked blank. Such a thought was almost beyond her comprehension. Close your eyes for a moment, and we will go back in what they call time. While the little angel's eyes were closed, and the two of them moved nearer to the spinning ball, it stopped its spinning, spun backwards quite fast for a while, and then slowly resumed its usual rotation. Now look! And as the little angel did as she was told, there appeared here and there on the dull surface of the globe little flashes of light, some merely momentary and some persisting for quite a time. Well, what am I seeing now? You are watching this little world as it was some thousands of years ago. Every flash and glow of light that you see is something of the Father's knowledge and wisdom breaking into the minds and hearts of people who live upon the earth. Not many people, you see, can hear his voice or understand what he says, even though he is speaking gently and quietly to them all the time. Why are they so blind and deaf and stupid? It is not for us to judge them. We who live in the splendor have no idea what it's like to live in the dark. We hear the music and the voice like the sound of many waters every day of our lives. But to them, well, there is much darkness and much noise and much distraction upon the earth. Mm. Only a few who are quiet and humble and wise hear his voice. But watch, for in a moment you will see something truly wonderful. The earth went on turning and circling around the sun. And then quite suddenly, in the upper half of the globe, there appeared a light, tiny but so bright in its intensity that both the angels hid their eyes. I think I can guess that was the visit, wasn't it? Yes, that was the visit. The light himself went down there and lived among them. But in a moment, you will be able to tell that even with your eyes closed, the light will go out. But why? Could he not bear their darkness and stupidity? 
Did he have to return here? No, it wasn't that. They failed to recognize him for who he was, or at least only a handful knew him. For the most part, they preferred their darkness to his light, and in the end, they killed him. The fools, the crazy fools, they don't deserve... Neither you nor I nor any other angel knows why they were so foolish and so wicked, nor can we say what they deserve or don't deserve. But the fact remains, they killed our Prince of Glory while he was man amongst them. And that, I suppose, was the end. I see the whole earth has gone black and dark. All right, I won't judge them. But surely that is all they could expect. Wait, we are still far from the end of the story of the visited planet. Watch now, but be ready to cover your eyes again. In utter blackness, the earth times, and then there blazed with unbearable radiance a point of light. What now? They killed him, all right, but he conquered death, the thing most of them dread and fear all their lives. He broke and conquered. He rose again, and a few of them saw him, and from then on became his utterly devoted slaves. Thank God for that. Amen. Open your eyes now. The dazzling light has gone. The prince has returned to his home of light. But watch the earth now. As they looked in the place of blazing light, there was a bright glow which throbbed and pulsated. And then as the earth turned many times, little points of light spread out. A few flickered and died, but for the most part, the lights burned steadily. And as they continued to watch, in many parts of the globe, there was a glow over many areas. You see what is happening? The bright glow is the company of loyal men and women he left behind. And with his help, they spread the glow, and now lights begin to shine all over the earth. Yes, yes, but how does it end? Will the little lights join up with each other? Will it all be light as it is in heaven? We simply do not know. It is in the Father's hands. Sometimes it is agony to watch, and sometimes it is joy unspeakable. The end is not yet, but now I am sure you can see why this little ball is so important. He has visited it. He is working out his plan upon it. Yes, I see, though I don't understand. I shall never forget that this is the visited planet. One of my favorite Christmas stories uh, comes from a missionary uh, who served in the Kumba in the Cameroons. And she was describing to her young students the American custom of gift giving at Christmas. She said that we give gifts because they represent joy to God and to our family members. Uh, because of the coming of Christ into the world. Well, a few days later, on Christmas morning, a native boy brought the missionary the gift of a beautiful seashell uh, as a Christmas present. The teacher was amazed and asked him where she got such a lovely, where he got such a lovely shell. And he replied, well, the seashore, of course. And then the missionary, amazed, said, well, that's 30 miles away. And the young boy replied, Young journey, long journey, part of gift. Quite a long journey it was for our young prince. The one who called the the great expanse of the universe into being is the one who slipped on this planet in obscurity and humility through the birth canal of a frightened teenage mother 
to be born in an overcrowded backwater town whose crib was a cattle trough. He did so to win our devotion and not to overwhelm us with his power. I've long held that this statement by Harry Reasoner, the late CBS newscaster, was such a wonderful description of what Christ has come to do for us. He wrote, people are afraid of God and standing in his very bright light. But everyone has seen babies, and almost everyone likes them. So if God wanted to be loved as well as feared, he moved correctly here. So it comes beyond logic. It's sort of a divine insanity. It's either falsehood or the truest thing in all the world. It's the story of the great innocence of God the baby. God in the power of man. And it's such a dramatic shot towards the heart that if it is not true, for Christians, nothing is true. You see, God has crowned us with glory and honor by making us the object of his love and attention as the ones he cares for in all of this vast universe. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, this is quite a story. It's an unbelievable story. A story that I don't think any human being could ever have made up. Only your imagination, Lord, could have brought this about. That you would create people whom you love who turned against you, and yet you would not turn against us. You would keep coming after us. And you knew that we needed to know how deeply we were loved by you. That we would need something dramatic, a great shot at the heart, for us to truly know what we meant to you. And so you came, enfleshed yourself, came through a normal family, raised by a mom and dad, had a vocation before you were then sent on your public ministry by the power of the Holy Spirit. You demonstrated in your life what the perfect human life is all about. And in your death, the extent of your love for us, as Paul says, that you demonstrated your love for us in while we were yet sinners, that Christ died for us. You bore on your body the guilt that we deserved so that we could be set free by your mercy. And then we found out that death could not hold you. That there was a resurrection three days later that you were the only one who has died and been raised again to newness of life and then walked this earth for some 40 days following your resurrection before you ascended to the Father. And then you sent your presence, the presence of the Holy Spirit, to come and be with us and live in us because you said you would never leave us or forsake us. As you said to Misha, for always, for always. Lord, may we sense that for always, that you walk with us, that you are in us, you abide with us, never to be forsaken. You have borne that yourself. And so on this Christmas day, we celebrate again the God who has come distances we cannot imagine to be with us forever.
In Christ's name we pray. Amen.